Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, Season 3, Episode 53, the Daily, Intermi- the Daily Intermission Podcast. I'm stumbling on my words early and often here, but uh, I'm excited about this one. We have Justin Paul, the first, uh, I guess, you know, I reached out on TikTok asking for some for some guest hosts and, and people reached out and I liked what Justin brought to the table, emailed. So, Justin, what is going on, my man? You ready to talk some sports? Greg, just an honor to be on, man. Couldn't be more excited. Love it and ready to get into it. I love it, man. So listen, tell me about tell me about you. So I know you're a hockey player. Uh, you're Canadian, but you're in the states. So just kind of give me give me the uh, the elevator pitch about who Justin Paul is. No, absolutely. Yeah, I'm uh, in the U.S. right now. I go to St. Lawrence University here in uh, Upper Kent, New York. Um, I'm from Thunder Bay, Ontario. Uh, big old North Canadian guy here. So uh, I still got that in me, despite being here in the U.S. But uh, yeah, studying business economics at the school, playing uh, Division One hockey. So still a uh, chasing the dream a little bit, enjoying that factor of it. But um, yeah, I lived in Toronto a little bit too, playing hockey, moving around like you do in juniors and stuff like that. But um, in the sports world, as much as we can, love following you around for the last uh, few years you've been getting after it. So again, just an honor to be on here and uh, couldn't be more excited to, to get to know you and get the, the fan base going here. Absolutely, man. We'll get everybody fired up here. But uh, listen, talk about the hockey. Like, so the D1 hockey. So you played in Toronto growing up. Uh, did you, did you play, where'd you play junior, did you play junior A, junior B in, in Ontario? And then you're like, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to school, which if I was good enough at hockey, I would have done for sure. Because I mean, that route to me sounds so appealing being on the hockey team, you know, treated probably very well at the school. And I'm sure the ladies are awesome as well, but just kind of like, what, what's that route look like? No, for sure. Um, like I said, born and raised in Thunder Bay, major hockey town. Uh, you got the stalls, you got, uh. You got sharp there and everything like that. So hockey's hockey's an everyday thing. Uh, it's religion there. So uh, grew up playing hockey in Thunder Bay. Then uh, around high school, I moved to Toronto. Uh, played in the GTHL there, one of the best minor hockey leagues you could play there, going into kind of that OHL draft age at 16. Um, after finishing the GTHL, went to junior A hockey in the OJHL. Played for Milton Icehawks, Georgetown Raiders, and the Wellington Dukes at the end there. So was on some pretty good teams, went to, went to a final, was on some top teams there. And I played four years, which is a little... Uh, a little unorthodox, spent a lot of time in junior, but I loved every second of it. Uh, just kept grinding away, kept putting in the work and uh, got an offer from St. Lawrence University in, in my uh, end of my third year. Um, was ready to make that jump to, to Division One. Couldn't be more excited. Like you said, it's it's a great atmosphere playing Division One hockey. The school's amazing. You get your degree at the end of the day, which is another big perk of it. Um, but yeah, it's just, I mean, you go into classes and stuff, but you're still staying at that grind. You're, you're at the rink every day. Uh, you got top end trainers here. You got top end coaching here. So the develop is, development has been amazing. You're playing against phenomenal talent, as you know, in, in with ECAC hockey and, and et cetera. Like you're playing NHL talent. You guys, guys, guys got drafted out of the ECAC and uh, they make that step right away. Um, so 
Yeah, I couldn't be more excited. It's competitive hockey. We had we had a good season this year, so you're in the mix for playoffs and the tournament and etc. And the program is what the best part is. I think about Division One that some people might not know yet. Um, it's a four year four year journey, right? When you come on to St. Uh, Lawrence University and whatever school you pick, you're here for four years. You're trying to build a program, like you said. It involves a community, invo- involves the students, and everyone gets around you. And it's just amazing when the barn's packed, you play a rival and stuff like that. And it's just an awesome atmosphere. Yeah, no, no doubt. So, I mean, we look at the NCAA route. I think it's getting more, you know, popular as, as we kind of, you know, move into the, uh, the 2020s. I mean, we look at the Ottawa senators. I mean, they started four NODAC North Dakota players a couple nights ago. that are all fresh out of the NCAA. So I feel as if, you know, when I was growing up or just, you know, in the, in the early 2000s that it was more CHL. Like that's where all the guys are coming from. Uh, but I think the NCAA is, is certainly a route that the guys are choosing. And I think, you know, the biggest uh, benefit is, is like you said, the, the four year degree, uh, but that's exciting. We got a, we got a full on D one hockey player coming on, Wants to talk sports. I absolutely love it. But Justin, let's get into it, man. It's been it's just a it's a it's been a roller coaster of a of a few weeks in sports. I mean, we got so much going on. It's one of the better times of year in sports with March Madness and and uh, you know the Masters this week, the NBA, NHL playoffs just around the corner. We got the NFL kind of free agency still lingering a little bit. We got the draft just around the corner. MLB's opening day was uh, was last week. So I mean, the content is crazy. Um, but I'll just lay out the episode. We're in quarter one. We're going to talk about the the March Madness that's going on a little bit about the NBA. In quarter two, we'll dive into the NHL. In quarter three, we've got some MLB talk. Uh, the marathon has begun there. And then in quarter four, we'll close things out with a little bit of PGA Tour talk because I'm going to save a lot of the Masters breakdown for an episode later this week. And we've got a huge UFC fight uh, this week. I'm not sure how much you dive into the UFC. Do you know a little bit about the UFC, Justin? I could get into a little bit more. I know a couple of the names here, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's fun. Listen, sure. listen, I'm not, uh, I'm not a fight, uh, you know, expert by any means. I've gotten a few tussles on the ice in my day, but I know nothing <laughs> about uh, the the mechanics of a fight. But I do enjoy watching it. But let's get into it, man. Quarter one, March Madness. So on the weekend, we had the Final Four: San Diego State versus Florida Atlantic. Um, we'll start off in this game. I mean, I was poking back and forth. I'm going to be completely honest. I haven't watched, I've, I've been vocal about it on the podcast. Justin. I haven't watched a game like toe to toe. I check in on them, see how, you know, I'll watch five minutes a piece. Um, but this game was a, was a heater. I mean, uh, you had Florida Atlantic leading most of the game looking like they're up 14, I think in the second half and then San Diego state ends up winning in a buzzer beater fashion. Um, I mean, obviously exciting for those schools, uh, you know, an eight seed and a, and a five or a nine seed and a five seed. I mean, just two teams that you didn't expect to be there. No, absolutely. I mean, unreal game. Watch the start to finish. I mean, it was, it was one of those games where defense was going after a phenomenal three point shooting team. And then you like to see that action. I mean, San, San Diego state's a team that's high experience, tons of defense, like you said, they trailed in the game, but you know what? This March Madness, I don't know if you want to go into half with an eight-point lead. It's just sure. every game you're, you're watching these leads just just uh, disappear. Texas did it with Miami, but um, no, a lot of the action and the eyes were going to be on how's FAU going to shoot the three ball with San Diego State's defense from three. I mean, that, that was the big matchup, and it looked like it was all FAU. I mean, this is an FAU team. You kind of hear Cinderella run and all this. Man, they won the most games in the nation this year. I mean, I know they come from a weaker conference. That's a lot to do with their seeding. But, I mean, it's hard for me to see a team that uh, is is respected in the Kempom and the efficiency stuff. They're on that top 20 uh, rate. And, again, they won the most games. So, um, as surprising as it was in terms of a seed, this this team was legit, man. They had experience and stuff and well-coached. 
But San Diego State, that defense, that old adage, defense wins championships, and man, it's 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 looking like it's still there. And it, it was impressive to come back again. Uh, Bradley, an- another great game for them, scoring over 20 points. That Mensa is an absolute menace in the paint. He, he was able to shut them down the second half. Um, no, truly impressive. I'm, I'm not sure if you saw it, but the San Diego Padres game, they threw the uh, the last few seconds there leading up to the buzzer beater on the Jumbotron. The fan base went nuts when they hit it. You Unreal. love to see that for a Un- fan base like that. So, Absolutely. That is that is so electric to be at a ball game and, and have that on there. That would be so unreal. But, I mean, so how do they do the seating? I mean, you like you said, I mean, I, I was unaware that, you know, Florida Atlantic, they're one of the top teams in the country in regard to wins and records. And to be a nine seed, that's kind of disrespectful, isn't it? I agree. I mean, it's it's it, there's a lot more that goes into it. There's that, for the sure. Big thing with NCAA, right? It's the league. The league. How how strong is the league? How weak the league is? You got to factor in strength of schedule. Um, I mean, we could we're gonna get into it next. UConn is in a one seed, but they're top. You could argue they were top ten team in the country, top fourteen, but you only get you only get four teams in that one, one seed, four in the two, etc. So. Um, I mean, if you're if you're not necessarily following it, you make your bracket or whatever. You're looking at for you as a nine seed, man. It, there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams in this nation. If you're a top 25 team going into the tournament, you're, you're a pretty good team in the country. But I mean, like you said, it, it, it's, it's hard to judge it. I think this year was a year where one seeds may have been a little fraudulent, two seeds, even it, it gave that opening for a team like FAU to surprise some people. But no, I mean, I think this FAU and San Diego state team weren't something to sleep on, but um, it, it's it's definitely exciting when a March Madness has those seeds that aren't just the one, the one, the one, the one in the Final Four. You like to see some action like this, and it's been exciting. Yeah, it's refreshing. I mean, and it, by the sounds of it, I mean, everybody's brackets were busted early. It's impossible to pick a bracket. And, you know, having no one seeds, no two seeds, no three seeds, like you said, but I, I think that might be, you know, a testament to how deep the NCAA is this year and how much parity there is and, and you know, how much talent is, is spread out through the country. Uh, that's awesome. But let's move in. So, yeah, we, we you talked about it. UConn ends up uh, beating Miami by 30. 13, I think 71 58 uh, a lot of people expected it I was I was looking uh, you know I talked about the last episode a little bit I was looking at a lot of the analysts a lot of the analysts bullish on UConn's chances to win this title uh, they were they were thinking that they were the best team left of this final four uh, what'd you think of that one is UConn the team to beat yeah I think it's unquestioned I mean the thing I was I was talking with the, my buddies and stuff Everyone kept saying going into this UConn-Miami game, Miami's came back. They've won the close game. They know how to win that close game. Does UConn know how to win that close game? They haven't done it in so long. And I'm thinking, who said it's going to be a close game at the end? Who said UConn's going to have to win a close game at the end? They are so strong. I mean, Sonoga, Hawkins, the list goes on. They're, they're so deep. Uh, um, Hurley, the head coach, did a phenomenal job recruiting. He told them, he said before, he told them, you go be a top player at these mid-major schools. Or you could come here, be our six and seven, but you win a national championship and that'll help you in the draft. And they all bought in. It's a team like they have the superstars, they have their NBA talent, but they have the depth where it, I don't know if you see it when you watch them, but man, it, it don't matter who's on the court. You can barely tell because it's just the same team, the same flow, the same systems. And they just have so much success rolling over every, every lineup. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's uh it's exciting. So San Diego state, UConn, I mean, let's, let's, let's look at it. National championship game. I think that is tonight. Um, yep. so who, who do we like? Like, I'm going to be riding UConn. Like, I mean, I said it last episode and I, I was kind of talking to the, the folks in the chalkboard app, like I'm riding UConn. I'm going to bet on UConn and, and just kind of, if there's an upset, you know, I'll be happy about it. You know, it'll be uh, good entertainment in terms of, uh, in, in terms of a viewing experience, but I'm riding UConn. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think matchup wise, I think it's going to be Mensa. Mensa is going to be a big part of stopping Sonoga, but if he gets in foul trouble, like they did with Timmy, uh, San Diego State's going to be in trouble. I got a little interesting stat here. So two things. 
you look at Kampom, if you're a statistical guy looking at these two teams, San Diego State's all about defense. They have the number four defense. UConn's there at eight. They're, they're not that far back. Offensively, UConn's three in Kampom efficiency. San Diego State is still down at 68. I don't know that this is going to be that close of a game. There's been five teams to make the March Madness finals after winning every game by double digits. They're four and one straight up. And they, the four wins have been by 10 plus each time. The spread is minus seven and a half for UConn. I mean, let's tease that up. Hand, you go with the dog. I mean, let's, hey, let's I, tease I that up. UConn. Let's tease yeah, that up. Why not? Minus hey. 10. I like that. I'll sprinkle on yeah, that. I'll sprinkle that for sure. I don't mind that at all. I like those stats. Um, all right, let's move into the, the women's side. I mean, we got to talk a little bit about it. Uh, LSU, Iowa, it was an exciting game. Uh, refing was questionable at times, uh, but this Caitlin. This Caitlin Clark girl, I mean, she is now the face of women's basketball, undoubtedly, in terms of the, you know, the NCAA level. You know, back-to-back 40 points, bringing Iowa to their first national title. I mean, just, you know, national championship. They didn't win. Obviously, LSU ends up winning. Um, it, it was a it was a great game. I thought the uh, the refs were a little too involved in uh, in, in the third, or I guess in the, uh, in the early second half in the first quarter, or the first half. Uh, but uh, did you see Angel Reese, you know, with the shush and the ring and the... You know, obviously, I like that stuff. I mean, people can complain, and people can like. I'm, I'm all about that. I mean, this is a highly competitive sport. They're in, they're in the, they're in the battlefield. And I mean, Caitlin Clark's been doing an all tournament. What's the issue with Andrew Reese getting in the mix? No, absolutely. And I think, I mean, it's a little bit of hero versus villain. I think a little people, people reacted a little bit because they're on Caitlin Clark's side. But yep. you know what? If Caitlin Clark was doing it, I think we'd all be uh, liking it a little bit more. But I mean, like you said, I, it, it's, it's a championship game. Championship game. We see it on the men's side all the time. Um, I mean, examples are endless. You, Marshawn on the Bruins going to the finals. I mean, that's his MO. Uh, Tom Wilson with the Capitals. I mean, we're talking about taking it to a next level than what she did. I mean, I think it's something where you want to see that intensity. You want to see that action. It's a championship game. I, I would hate to see just rolling over or just getting going through the motions. I mean, I love that. that. That's the action they want. Honestly, I think in the women's side of the bracket, they loved it. You want to see that attention come to, come to that woman's side. That game's gro- growing every single day. Caitlin Clark was a big part of it, and that just that builds it up. That's 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 the sports we love to see. You want that intensity. You want that action. And I, I didn't mind it at all. Man, I, I think just to due to the play of Caitlin Clark and due to that rivalry of LSU and you know, like you said, the kind of the the hero villain. I mean, I think this is the most media coverage that we've received, uh, national attention, and just even buzz on social media for the women's game. It was so fantastic for uh, for the NCAA Women's Championship, and I, I'm really happy about it because, you know, I get some t- I, like I've made a TikTok yesterday about Caitlin Clark and threw it on Instagram, and some people some questionable comments regarding women's sports, and it's like, listen. These are the top. This is the top tier. I don't care what gender you are. It's exciting to me when I'm watching the best players, no matter what gender, in their respective sports. It's fun for me to watch. And there's a championship on the line. I thought it was an amazing, uh, amazing tournament for them. And I was happy about the media coverage uh, that they received. So all in all, fantastic NCAA women's uh, title. We get the men's uh, conference. Or sorry, the men's national championship tonight. But uh, but Justin, let's move into the NBA. Obviously, uh, you know we were about four games away from the playoffs. It's going to be exciting. Uh, I mean, it's it seems to be a little wide open. I mean, just looking at the uh, the, the broad scope of the NBA right now, it's wide open. But first, we're going to talk about uh, some some guys that have been inducted to the Hall of Fame, the 2023 class. And there's some, I mean, there's some serious names here uh, that we all probably have some nostalgia feelings around. Nostalgic: uh, Dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne Wade, Paul Gasol, Tony Parker, Greg Popovich. I mean, just 
Hall of Fame names. You, you read them, and they're just those guys belong in the Hall. Um, I mean, yep. anybody jump off the page to you, Justin, in, in regard to these guys? I mean, they, we all you know can remember these guys in, in different moments of their career, but uh, it's an exciting time for the class of 2023. No, absolutely. I mean, I think they all jump off the page to a degree in their own right. I mean, I see uh, for myself, I mean, obviously, Dirk Nowitzki, for me, I think this resume is unbelievable. The, the championship run they went on is arguably one of the most impressive championship runs. If, if you go back for two seconds here, this guy averaged 26 and 10 against a sweep against the Kobe Bryant Lakers that were the back-to-back champions the year, the two years prior, then went on to beat Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook in five games in the conference finals. As much as they're young, and you could hear that argument, these guys were all NBA that year, and they beat him in five. Who do they finish it off with? In six games, LeBron and Wade. Thanks for coming. Dirk Nowitzki, absolute hero, absolute legend. Put the statue up in Dallas. He, he, he owns the town. It's unbelievable. The roster he was with, great depth, great, great team. No, no, no question about it, but who he went through, he, he couldn't have had it scripted better for himself. It was unbelievable. MVP, 14-time All-Star, just played his whole career with the Mavericks. When you draft a player in the NBA, you want it to be a Dirk Nowitzki. It's just a phenomenal career. It stands out to me uh, as one of the best you could have. Oh, man, incredible run. And, I mean, Mark Cuban loves that guy, Moss. But, I mean, let's think about that. I mean, when when a player is drafted to a franchise, and I hope Giannis ends up doing it with Milwaukee, but there's got to be something to say or something said about playing your full career and not chasing, you know, these these big stacked all-star lineups, you know, not uh, not surrounding yourself to try to, to try to win a championship. I mean, just doing it in your own city, doing it with your own team. And, and like you said, what a run, man. I mean, you're taking out some of the teams that are some of the most highly touted in history. Um, you know, that's an incredible run. Uh, but Dwayne Wade as well. Dwayne Wade, uh, you know, won in, in, in 2006 with Shaq and then ends up winning two with LeBron and Chris Bosh. And, uh, you know, just a three-time NBA champ. He was the MVP in 2006 and an amazing career from Dwayne Wade as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I mean, Paul Casal. we could talk about winning two championships with Kobe. Uh, his number was retired earlier this year in, in, uh, in LA. Incredible run as well. Tony Parker, uh, you know, four-time NBA champion. Uh, I think he was a, I think he was an MVP in one of the, one of the, uh, the years. Yeah. I mean, it was tough to take it away from Timmy Duncan, but, uh, and then the coach of the of the great Spurs with Greg Popovich. I mean, all of these guys, Justin, are incredible. But you know, just looking beyond Dirk, I mean, you know, who stands out? You know, who uh, who do who do you appreciate watching in whose career? I guess you know, did you uh, did you value most, or or uh, do, you, do you have any tidbits on these guys that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, Dwayne Wade. We know him with LeBron. We know that 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 Miami Heat dynasty, but. Um, winning a championship before LeBron got there and bringing the first championship to Miami with, with uh, the end of the Shaq there, but phenomenal career. You, it's almost a career where love the dynasty we had with Heat. The entertainment was unbelievable. You almost wonder some of these guys, if they had, if he had some more time being the number one in a franchise, what they could do. But no, I mean, Dwayne Wade has to jump off the page for anyone uh, in this Hall of Fame class because we saw him and LeBron and that Miami Heat team on endless runs and the top dog. It was just phenomenal to see a leader like that and be the face of Miami. Paul Gasol, like you said, man, I, I hard to not think about his jersey retirement there and the relationship with Kobe and, and all that happened there and just how much admiration he has for him and stuff like that. You, it was just remarkable to see him be able to get the the uh, recognition he deserves. Again, this Hall of Fame career is amazing too. But um, I have a, Greg Popovich, for one second, what is your thoughts? Popovich getting in the hall while still coaching. Like 
I understand he's an older guy, well-deserved. He goes in with Tony Parker, love that. But what's your thoughts on, on the Hall of Fame happening before guys are tired like this? I mean, well-deserved, no question about it, but... Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I don't totally agree with it now that you bring it up. I mean, I, we don't often see that. I mean, I guess it's probably a little different because he's not a player. He's a coach, um, you know, and I, I don't know. How old is Greg Popovich? Like, I'll say, like, is he 72? Like, he looks like he's getting grizzled. Let's look this up quick. Yeah, he's 74. Um, 74. 74. So, I mean, I don't I don't want to be too offside here, but, like, is it kind of like a just a safety pin here? Like, just a case, you know, like... You know, it can be a stressful job out there, man. And, and you never really know, you know, he's, I, I don't know how he's taking care of himself, but once you kind of get like, you're, you're on the back nine, man. Like hey, just I, in case, let's get him in there. You know, hey, hey, who's going to fire him? I yes, mean, exactly. He, he yeah. Just, he could just coach it. Like who's put, taking him out of that seat. Like you said, this, he might just ride this into the sunset. And again, like you said, not, not anything dark there, but like, why would you leave? I mean, who wants you to leave? You're, you're the best coach in the NBA at the moment. Like, this guy, you can't find anyone better. I know they're not having much success right now, but if they plan to have success, this is the guy you want back in there. So, no, absolutely. It's just interesting. Like, are we going to see a Bill Belichick? Is he going to go in the Hall of Fame? And, and, and when Tom maybe goes in the Hall of Fame, are we going to see something like that, even though he's still on the sideline? I just, you don't see it every day. I just, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Different. No, absolutely. It's uh, it, it's an interesting concept for sure. I mean, it, they could be wheeling him out there in the next decade. And, and like you said, he'll still be doing his thing. Um but uh, yeah, that, I don't know if that would play to it. Like we can joke about it, all jokes aside. Like I don't. Did they want him paired in with Parker? Because I think Tim was last year. Was he not or two years ago? Uh, yeah, I Tim, believe Tim's in. Is um, is Manu also in? I, I think he might be here. Hang on, so Manu and Tim might be in. So I mean, so they might just pair the that that uh, that big three with Greg and say, you know, this is uh, this is a, a, a suitable time for him to go in and. Um, I, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's grim right now in, in San Antonio. And I, I don't know how many years away they are from being competitive again. So maybe they wanted to, you know, get him in there while it's not going to be, you know, three, four years of just, you know, garbage and people forget how great of a coach yeah. he is. But, you know, needless to say, incredible, uh, incredible careers from, from each of those individuals. And, and, and definitely one of the strongest classes in, in recent history into, uh, into the NBA, at least for kind of the new age sports fans that I would consider ourselves into the NBA Hall of Fame. Um, okay, so listen, let's, let's go into the NBA standings. I mean, there's been, there's, there's lots of, there's lots of uh, moving parts right now. There's, there still can be a bit of jockeying. I mean, like I said, there's, there's uh, four or five games left for each team, but I mean, th these standings are certainly not set in stone, especially in the Western Conference. Um, but let's look at the East here quickly, Justin, and we'll talk about kind of, I mean, we know the top three teams are going to be Boston uh, or Milwaukee, Boston and Philadelphia, but are there any teams that you think, yep. you know, kind of in the bottom half of the, maybe in the playing games or, or uh, towards the, uh, you know, the, the five, six, um, four, five, six seeds that could make some noise potentially might go on an upset run could, uh, you know, make some noise in the playoffs. Like to me, it's, it's the top three, but is there anybody that you could, you'd give an opportunity to maybe go on a run? Yep. No, for sure. I mean, I think that it's going to be something where I don't, I don't, I'm not going to pick a team here that I think is going to win the Eastern Conference. But in terms of making noise, I definitely do think there's two teams that have a shot at making a little bit of a chance. I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say Atlanta. I, I don't believe, uh, I wouldn't put uh, much backing on them to make it more. I did think they would be a lot better than they were this year. They made some moves in the offseason, surrounded Trey Young with a little bit more talent. Didn't really have the season they thought, 39 39. So I'm hesitant that they're going to be able to make some noise. But, I think a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers could surprise people. I think they could win a series or two. I, I, I believe that that defense 
with the Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers are one of the best defenses in the league. I think they're a team that could give a Celtics even some trouble if they face them in a series here. And, and I wouldn't be shocked to see Cavs knock out one of those top two dogs uh, um, and make a surprise. I think that they have the offensive ability. They have Donovan Mitchell. They have uh, Garland. Mobley's been playing phenomenal this year. Jared Allen. Like, that's a Cavs team that, as great as Giannis is, never, not saying anything about, I'm never picking against Giannis. In terms of the depth around him, if, the, if the, that Cleveland team could find a way to neutralize him to a degree, man, I, I don't I don't know that I could rule Cleveland out of any of the series in the Eastern Conference here. Yeah, just a ton of scoring in that uh, in the backcourt. I mean, and then they just have size. I mean, Mobley is just such a long and 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 uh, you know handful. And then you, you get Allen playing with them as well. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. I agree with the, with you. I, I think that the Cavaliers could be a team that uh, that go on a little bit of an upset. But I look at the kind of the basement of the playing teams, like the Raptors. Certainly not. They they went and bought or they went and brought back uh, Pirtle at the deadline. They're just not there. They don't have uh, I don't think enough depth and enough. And I don't think they're. Their, their talent is, is good enough or mature enough uh, to go on a, a title run. Uh, the Heat are just the Heat are weird to me. I mean, they they just play inconsistent basketball. But I mean, could they could they you know figure things out and go on a run? I don't think so. And then I mean that last uh, that last playing team, either Chicago or, or Washington, certainly not uh, candidates to go on a run. But I, I mean, would you agree that that Milwaukee and Boston are going to give whatever teams they're playing handfuls down the uh, you know down the run in the playoffs? Uh, no, I agree. I mean, it's they've been phenomenal for a while now. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my hat on a team here. Uh, my pick to win the Eastern Conference is the 76ers. Okay, uh, and I've I've kind of liked them for a little while now. I early on I, I thought that they're a team that that I like to win the Eastern Conference. I know um, Celtics have been phenomenal in the last number of years. I didn't love how the Celtics went through this season, considering that they should have just been growth. The, the age of their roster, the experience they got going to the finals last year, it should have all been growth. They had the coaching situation. Like, this isn't the same coach that went coach there last year, obviously because of that situation. I would consider 76ers, for me, more likely than the Celtics. That's in my camp. Then if I got a matchup, 76ers versus Bucks, Giannis, all-world, all-time. I got Harden, Embiid, Harris. I got some depth on the 76ers team. Maxie? We're probably looking at an Embiid MVP here. We got yeah. we, we might be looking at an Embiid MVP. Yeah, and there's James Harden. Ever, ever, yeah. ever heard of him? People forget look, about this, it. This this 76ers team, man. I, I look at teams that it's hard to you can't judge this. It sounds a little chintzy, but want to win, have that fire to get it done. Man, Embiid's been crying after every series loss for the last four years. This guy wants to win. He's playing at the highest level. How can I argue the guy that's playing the best basketball who wants to win like never before yeah. with Harden and these guys? Like, I, I That's my pick. I'm, we, t- I'm taking 76ers win the Eastern Conference. You're trusting the process, my man. That process is here, and you've trusted it. I like it, man. And even I'll throw in a guy like Tobias Harris, too. A lot of length, uh, can can uh, eat up some minutes. Like, I, I do like Tobias Harris. I like the roster. And it looks like on paper that the roster is honestly better than, than, uh, than Milwaukee and Boston. But, I mean... It's just it's about putting things together and and uh, you know Doc and those guys to be dogs and and it just hasn't worked out for them obviously but uh, I hope Joel wins the MVP I think he deserves it I think he's been shafted of a few in the past and but let's move into that Western Conference with the guys that he's uh, going against in in the MVP race with uh, with uh, Nikola Jokic with the Denver Nuggets but I look at this Western Conference and I don't even I'm not sold on those top three teams in Denver Memphis and Sacramento like I I mean I obviously they're going to be the the one two three seeds but. This is wide open to me, and I think that I would rather have stock in Phoenix 
the Clippers and Golden State over Denver, Memphis, and, and Sacramento. But you know that's just uh, you know that's just me. And, and, and what do you look at? Again, we'll we'll go into the Western Conference. Any team that you think uh, might make some noise that uh, that aren't in that top three? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that outside Denver, I think it's all about who's outside that top three. To be honest with you, I. I don't trust the Grizzlies. I don't like their 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 youth. I don't like the, the makeup of their team going into a deep playoff run. The Sacramento Kings. Um, Pretender. You, are you lost? <laughs> uh, are we, sorry, they are not the three-seed in the West Conference in terms of uh, who I trust going forward. Phoenix Suns, not much to be said. I mean, right? I mean, the Phoenix Suns are a team that has all the talent in the world. They've been there the last few years in terms of experience. Chris Paul is getting older and he hasn't had the efficiency and stuff as he had in the past. Devin Booker is an absolute bucket as he's been for years. DeAndre Ayton is unbelievable on the glass. If he wants to be there, hasn't really made that clear all year, but as long as they're together, this team, you count, count him out. I, I really hope Durant doesn't get hurt. He's been kind of nagged with injuries as, as we've gone throughout the season. So you don't want to see that happen. I, I'd like to see a phenomenal series with them going long here. Um, I love the Clippers more than I like Golden State and Lakers. I know Paul George has had the injuries um, right now and stuff, but this Clippers team is built to win. I mean, they, they, this is a preseason team that was one of the favorites uh, um, to get it done. I think the Timberwolves can surprise. I know they're in the ninth seed. Um, if that Timberwolves team plays against the Kings right here, right now, do not back the Kings. Take whatever they give you for the Timberwolves to win that series. I do not trust the Kings, like I said, but... I mean, again, if I'm picking, uh, I'm making my call right now. Uh, Denver Nuggets play the 76ers in the finals. This team with Nikola Jokic, I mean, you hate to take a one seed, but I've been on him again, like I said, for for a long time now. I've I've loved Denver. Uh, Jokic has been playing some of his best basketball. Defensively, they're top two in the league. Um, They have such a deep roster, and they play one brand of basketball so well. I'm going to take Denver versus 76ers in the finals. That's my prediction, but I do agree with you. This is going to be a playoffs uh, uh, in the West that I don't think is going to go straight forward for for many teams. It's going to be crazy, man, for sure. And I don't mind that. I like Canadian Jamal Murray. He had a great night last night. And, and Aaron yeah. Gordon, it's just, uh, you know, they get a fun team over there. Um, Michael Porter Jr. I mean, it, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I don't mind that, you, that you're going with the two bigs. I mean, how exciting would that be, that the paint battle between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic? Oh, yeah. It would be incredible. Um, if I'm going to take a team out of the West, I, I'm going to ride with the Suns. I, I think that's pretty chalky. Um, I think the rank goes bananas, and and like you said, I mean, you talked about it. They're they're a good team, uh, but I mean, I think next week, you know, we're 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 down to the home stretch here in the NBA, so we're going to continue to monitor that, uh, Justin, and we'll uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll talk more predictions here uh, as we get closer to the playoffs. But let's yep. move into the NHL quarter two, and uh, and like just like the NBA, I mean, we're we're on the home stretch here to the playoffs, and and it's exciting right now in the NHL. Um, again. Maybe a wide open championship. I know that the Boston Bruins have been playing very well, but only one team in the last 15 years has been a President's Trophy winner and win the cup. It's wide open. I mean, the NHL playoffs, they must be, they're, they're the most exciting playoffs, in my opinion. It's, it's, it changes so much in, in, in terms of the hockey in the regular season and then the hockey that's being played in the, uh, in the, in the uh, playoffs. It changes so much. There's, you've got to win 16 games against very good competition. But before we get into it, Let's talk about it. The NHLPA has just announced they have hired Marty Walsh as their new executive director. He was a former construction union leader, a mayor of Boston, labor secretary under the president. So this isn't, you know, massive news. And we don't have to stay on this topic for a lot. 
But the CBA is very important to guys like us, the fans, because you know this is where they bargain things of the Olympics and things of these World Hockey Championships, and this is where the players have a voice in regard to dealing with Gary Bettman and the owner. So I think that's exciting for the NHL players to have a new voice, have a new, uh, you know, I guess, brain in, in power, and, and uh, we'll see how that goes for Marty uh, Walsh. Did you hear anything uh, from his uh, from his first few interviews, Justin? Did you hear? Did you hear this guy's pure Boston? He's got a, just a thick Boston Boston accent. I mean. It's- we, it sounds like we got a little bit of a blue collar guy, I and mean, that's what yeah. you, that's what you hope to see. Boston guy growing up, you I you hope he's your Boston hockey kind of guy because that's who you want representing your NHL. I mean, if you're the players, you're like guy from Boston, absolutely give us that. So, hey, hopefully he lays the hammer down, gets us some great deals going forward. I think the game NHL is growing phenomenally. I think there's a lot of action around right now with McDavid and the young talent coming in, and I think this guy's is a perfect time to for him to jump into that role. Yeah, absolutely. And he's obviously dealt dealt with uh, collective bargaining agreements in the past with, you know, being a union leader and, you know, working under the president. I mean, this guy is obviously, he holds himself to a high standard and going in, he's got to go to battle with Gary Bettman. I mean, he's got to negotiate in a hard way and, and hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully things uh, go well for him and in uh, everything uh, in regard to uh, negotiating the CBA, which I think is the main role of, uh, of the executive. But he also announced too that he's going, I know he's talked to McDavid and Sid uh, early on, but he wants to meet every single player in the NHL, which I don't know if we can take that for face value. I don't know how realistic that is. And I don't know if he's, you know, if that's just kind of him, you know, you know, just accepting the job and in, in, in just kind of a, um, you know, a for the fans, for the players fashion, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, I do want to move into what, Ottawa. Hey, sorry, go ahead. What, what are the, what are the range of those meetings? Like, <laughs> like think about a meeting when he's meeting between McDavid and Sid, and then he's walking into Bennington's Bennington's meeting and he's yeah. like, Oh, Hey, Bear, yeah. how are you? Like, we're going to be in touch quite a bit here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. touch quite a bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Th- those aren't all going to be the same meetings. Yeah. No, gosh, no. And I, and I think when he says like, I'll meet everybody, I think he'll probably travel around each arena, go into the dress room, yeah. maybe do a round shaking hands. Like he's not sitting down with Sean Corrali and asking him what he wants in the CBA, <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. uh, it, it, he, he, he's, he's saying that he, I think he means he wants to shake everyone's hand and really get to know everybody and, Absolutely. and be able to put a, you know, a face and personality to uh, to to the name and, and the leadership of the NHLPA, but I did want to talk about the Ottawa Senators quickly here. Obviously, I think I've talked about it on the on the podcast in the past, Justin. I think this is I don't know how much you follow the Ottawa Senators, but I think this is exactly where uh, their season was projected to go. I mean, that Atlantic Division is so competitive; it's it's just so top heavy with the Leafs, the Bruins, and the uh, you know the Panthers. I'll throw in there, but the Lightning as well. Um, and you know, they've made strides. They played some meaningful hockey. It's not going to work out for them, but their team is for sale. And that's kind of the big news right now surrounding the Ottawa Senators is that the teams for sale and Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool himself, Hollywood actor has put him in his, his name in the mix and he's paired with the Remington group, which is a real estate group out of Toronto. Is there any way that these guys don't win the bid? Because I think people in Ottawa at this point would be pretty upset if he's not uh, involved with the team at all. I mean, the number one thing that comes with Ryan Reynolds, you know it, Canadian. Yes. Canadian I was going to say Blake Lively, but Senate. we'll say Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair. That's up there too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, I, I think it's a huge plus. I mean, like I said, being a Canadian actor, I mean, again, not not being biased is the truth. Um, he's got – Ken loves him. I mean, he's a guy that is going to bring recognition to the Ottawa Senators. It's, it's, it, what it does for the NHL and the Ottawa Senators is – the non-diehard hockey fans in Canada, the non-Ottawa fans are going to hear that and see that happening. 
and just dip dip their toes in it just a little bit extra time once here and, and take a peek at the centers, take a peek at what's going on. Maybe you have some got people who weren't NHL fans just calling themselves Senators fans because they love Ryan Reynolds, right? Like that's a positive thing for the Senators organization. I can't imagine he's going to be making any of the decisions. I mean, he's definitely a minority owner. I think I just wonder if he's going to just put his face on it a little bit. I don't think he's going to be answering for bad decisions and, and things like that being made. I'm sure if, if things aren't going great in the Sens organization, he might have his head down a little bit and, and let them figure it out. But I think it's it's the right decision to be made. I think that's a that was a huge name to get, I think, for any Canadian team uh, with ownership is having a guy like Ryan Reynolds as a dream, right? Absolutely. And I think the, the NHL, Gary Bettman, and, and uh, you know, the, the people, the decision makers in regard to the bid, the bidding process, you know, what is the valuation of the marketing of Ryan Reynolds and having that face yeah. associated with your team? And we... It's it's gigantic, and uh, yeah. you know he's got uh, you know experience. He bought that you know tier three, uh, tier three or tier three league team of, of yeah. soccer. I don't know much about it, but he does. Wrexham, Wrexham, yeah, Rexham, yeah. And he did great great things with them. I mean, I, I know he spent a lot of money on their yep. players and and uh, brought in a lot. You know, paid the management a lot of money, and and uh, I mean, who's who's gonna in North America? Who's talking about Wrexham if Ryan Reynolds isn't associated with them? So. You know, it's 100%. it's uh, it, it, he's done a great job with them, and uh, I, I'm really excited. I think that there's zero chance that the I, I won't put it at zero, but there's a 95 percent chance that Ryan Reynolds and the Remington Group wins the win this bid just due to the fact that the fans are hyped about it. He's been in the ring twice. the The rink's electric yeah. when he's there, and the marketing dollars that come with with Ryan Reynolds are. I don't think that uh, I think that that's a, a big price tag that you can include into the bid. Um, Let's move into the QMJHL quickly here. So they made an announcement a couple weeks ago, Justin, that they are going to be banning fighting. So I'll, I'll put quotations around banning because you can't ban fighting from any sport, but yeah. they're going to be harsher penalties, mm-hmm. harsher consequences for dropping gloves and fighting. I hate the decision um, and it's kind of, you know, gone up to the higher level, you know, where I, it, this has been a higher level conversation in the NHL for a long time now, you know, does fighting belong in hockey? I wanted to hear your opinion on it. What are you, what's your stance on fighting? Cause I know, you know, in your leagues, you, you wouldn't be able to fight, but there's gotta be some rough stuff that happens every once in a while. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, again, I'm from Northern, Northern, uh, Northern Ontario here in Canada. I mean, fighting is a part of the game. There's no way around it. Um, I think the interesting thing here with taking it out of the QMJHL and, and like banning it is kids aren't growing up with fighting as a major component of their game. Like this was going to be a process of weaning out fighting. That's been going on for years now that would have naturally kind of happened, especially in a league like QMJHL. QMJHL is not a physical fighting league. It's a lot of skill. It's a lot of talented players that, that are going to put the puck in the net and, and play that style of hockey. This wasn't a league that had a fighting issue um, in terms of it being a, a constant occurrence. Um, I didn't hate some of the rules in terms of like fighting penalties. You get an extra suspension. They kind of raise the, the punishment for penalty, but to ban it just seems unnecessary step because there's, there's, the as- there's, there's the aspect of policing the game of hockey within the players. Like if, if something's going on in the game, and it's a dirty hit, hit from behind, cheap shot. Like, a guy get a penalty, whatever. Like, th- there's a next level amount of standing up for your teammates, protecting your teammates, standing up for yourself, and, and answering the bell when you need to create space for yourself, create respect for yourself, and fighting was that way to do it. You take out fighting, cheap shots, uh, uh, calls that aren't made on, on certain players and stuff like that. Like, you don't want 
and we haven't seen it yet, but we haven't seen banned fighting. Like we don't want stick action becoming absurd in these games because that's the only choice they have. Like you just don't, you just hope that taking out fighting doesn't lead to stuff that we couldn't anticipate just because we haven't seen it before. Again, I don't like the, I don't like the decision. I don't think it's necessary even. Um, again, I just think this was a little bit of a political decision to show, Hey, we're progressing the game. We're taking out the ugly stuff, which I don't think the fan base necessarily wanted. No, I, I think that it captivates an audience outside of just the pure hockey fan. Like people really enjoy fights. And the other night, obviously, uh, I, I've got it down in the outline here. The, the Sens Flyers game, incredible. There was a bunch of fights. Alex DeBrink, a highly skilled guy. Joel Farabee in a, in a spirited bout. And then you got Nick Delorier, just that mutant out there, just fighting twice in a shift. Like, yeah. <laughs> insane and then uh you know trent frederick i mean this is that's the perfect uh example the uh, trent frederick fight i mean uh i forget his name i think it was patterson on on um, columbus goes out and kind of gives a, a greasy cross check to patrice bergeron yeah. rides up catches him in the head he's got to answer for it i mean if there's mm-hmm. if there's fighting if there's no fighting in the nhl you know and we got tampa bay and minnesota playing Corey perry goes out and cross checks caprice off from behind well if there's no fighting then he's not too worried about it but in today's game, yep. well, now you got Marcus Foligno and Ryan Reeves running around looking for you. You know, you've got to answer the yep. bell. It's just kind of that unwritten rule in hockey. Um, I, I don't, I don't see it going anywhere in 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 hockey at least for you know the next uh, you know say five ten years. But I'm a little disappointed. Obviously, the QMJHL yep. associated with where I'm from in Nova Scotia and. Uh, it's disappointing. They already had strict rules too, Justin. It was like you could only fight five times a season. Um, so anyway, it's it's interesting. It's definitely a topic that's not going anywhere. No, absolutely. I mean, look at the NHL. Like I said, it's already winning out. In the year 2000, the NHL fighting leader had 27 fights. The year 2010, it was it's 16. This year, it's 12. Like, it was already moving in the right direction, yet you kept it in the game. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just I hope we don't see it ever in the NHL where opening round of the NHL playoffs we don't we just don't have fighting anymore like that's what you love to see that's the next level playoff hockey intensity that you I don't think it's gonna happen I agree with you but you, you just hope it doesn't happen yeah it's it, it that's a that's a decision I think that would be 20 30 years away where you know we progress as a society that so in you know in I don't want to say negative manner, but in that direction uh, that that people would, the decision makers at that time would be like, no, we're completely, you know, gassing it, which I still argue fights will still happen. It's a competitive game. It's still going to happen. What you, It's just going to be your consequence. I, that's why I say I put quotations on banning because it, even if you don't allow fighting, it's going to happen. I mean, you can't fight in the NFL, but we see some breakouts here and there. The NBA is a little softer. Um, I, I shouldn't say that, but the, I mean, you're not going to see fights in the NBA, but uh, in, in other sports, I mean, the MLB, again, there's no fighting allowed, but you, you sometimes see it. I mean, a lot of it's for showing the MLB. That, that's pretty uh, – That's. I mean, how, how oftentimes do we see the benches clear and nothing happen? Um, but oh, 100%. Uh, I mean, what, what's the worst we see? Bryce Harper whiff on a helmet throwing the yeah. pitcher? I mean, like, a, a big deal, right? I mean, yeah. that's baseball for it. For sure. Um, but let's move into the playoff picture here too because, like I said, five, four, four or five more games, uh, Justin, we're moving into the playoffs. Best time of year. Um, it's been an incredible season for, for, you know, the Bruins and, and McDavid. I mean, there's just so many accolades in the regular season, but that all gets thrown out the window when we get the playoffs. But there's two races right now that I'm watching very closely, and I'm sure that, you know, the entire hockey world is. The Pittsburgh Penguins, Florida Panthers, and New York Islanders. It seems like the New York Islanders are safe right now, but the Panthers and Penguins are in a race. The Colorado, or the uh, the Winnipeg Jets, the Calgary Flames are in a uh, race out west. Who do you think gets in? Who's grabbing those final wildcard spots? And not that uh, they're going to be in a great position if they get those spots, but who uh, who do you think's uh, going to be in the mix? Well, first thing first, Greg, I can't let you get away with that. Um, <laughs> I got my heart 
Um, Buffalo Sabres are okay. my team. Okay. I mean, Buffalo. Hey, <laughs> hey, we're in the race. Okay. I, we can't go the we can't go NHL record playoff drought, and I'm quitting on my team with seven games left. Okay. I will be realistic. I will be realistic here. We're not in the advantage seat. Hey, we're two games back. We're five points back. Don't call us out. We but hey, don't call us out. But but. <laughs> if I'm being fair, if I'm taking my heart out of it, Greg. Yeah. I mean, I, I this Pittsburgh Penguins team is hanging on by a threat. Hanging on by a threat. It, it it's something where I'm hesitant to give them the, the whole Sidney Crosby experienced advantage because they haven't been showing it. They're four and six in the last ten. This whole thing about I'll give the edge to the Penguins because they're experienced in Crosby and all that. Where is this clutch and this experience and stepping up to get the job done? The Panthers, they're six and four in the last 10, but they had a five game losing streak recently. They got Kachuk. I, I do like their roster in terms of being able to, to turn it on and have that hunger to get in the playoffs. Penguins are in the spot right now. I do think the Islanders are safe. I'm not sure what your opinion there is. 100%. Yep. I, I do think this is a Penguins versus Florida uh, um, a matchup here. I mean, I'm looking at the schedules here. Florida's got Sabres, Senators, Caps, Toronto, Carolina. That's going to be a tough stretch, whereas Penguins are sitting there. They finished their last three with Red Wings, Chicago, and Columbus. Like, I don't want to say Penguins because I don't like they haven't been playing like they, they should be the team in it. But I mean, hey, schedule is schedule. They, I mean, I think they, they have a, obviously the, the better schedule. I lean to them having it in that situation because they have the extra point as well. But man, I mean, hey, what, what did what did what did Daryl Suter say last year when they they're playing to play the Avalanche? You're playing to what? Get an extra eight get days, an extra week of hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean that's where I stand. I'm not sure what you're thinking. If you're leaning, are you leaning Penguins or Florida? Yeah, I'm leaning Penguins here. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised with either team. But I don't think like. You know, I, I'm very bullish on the Boston Bruins, especially in the first round. Like, I, I don't know if these teams are deep enough. Their goaltending, you know, scares me a little bit in, in Florida. I mean, Bobrovsky kind of, yep. you know, off and on. And then Alex Lyon, like, I don't know how much playoff experience he has, if any. Um, and then, I mean, the Penguins do scare me a little bit. And I know that that's the common narrative about, you know, and you're you're saying you know where is it right now the, the city Crosby narrative, but this is a team man. They've got so much playoff experience, and and you know they're a team like Boston. They understand their window is closing, so you know they're going to be yep. two desperate teams going. And and Tristan Jari can play hot. He's been injured at times this year. He can play well. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if they've got the depth. Um, but I think it is going to be the Penguins that get in. But like you said, I I, I mean you know. I don't think it's going to be a long playoff run for them um, against the Bruins. I could see them taking a couple off Boston, making it close, but it, yeah. all in all, I don't see the Bruins losing that series. But let's move out west. We've got two Canadian teams yeah. going at it. Winnipeg looked good last night. Uh, they had a big win, yeah. um, and uh, they're t- and you know Calgary's playing better as of late as well. Uh, but, I mean, these are the two teams it looks like. I mean, I don't know if Seattle's going to choke. I mean, they obviously ha- had a heck of a start to the season, surprised everyone, where maybe one of the biggest surprises in the early season of the NHL. Uh, they seem to be hanging on. They're, they're, you know, they're three points ahead uh, of Calgary and and uh, and just one ahead of Winnipeg. I guess, you know, we're going to group yep. them into this. We'll group Seattle into this. Out of yeah. these three teams, who do you think grabs those last two spots in the West? I mean, starting with Seattle, they they got two games in hand, up one. They're definitely in this. They've been playing god-awful since Christmas. You can't trust a team who was first going into Christmas and are now in a wildcard chase. Yep. The only thing, an absolute bailout, cupcake schedule for Seattle. Are you Arizona, Vancouver, Arizona, Chicago, Arizona. Oh. Like, 
You're playing a team <laughs> yeah. who doesn't want to win hockey games. Yeah. You're playing a team who doesn't want to win hockey games. I, I mean, I, I got to give Seattle the end because of that. I mean, I mean, if, if Arizona wins games, their management's upset. Like, that's who they're playing right now. 100%. Jets haven't been great either. Again, another team, your first place at Christmas, and now you're in a wild card chase. Like, things aren't going well for them. Their coach is calling them out in the media. But then I watched the Flames game last night against the Ducks, and the commentators are saying this too. When it's tied with, like, three minutes left, they're saying these two teams and management want different things. Like, the Ducks, again, team in the Bedard sweepstakes, obviously. Like, why would you not be? This kid's unbelievable. Yeah. But – this Calgary Flames team struggling to, to win the games. They have to be winning. They have Chicago coming up, but this game versus the Jets and the Flames is going to be must-watch if, you, if you're into Western Conference hockey. They play here. Uh, Flames play Chicago. Then they go to the Jets. I mean, it's who do you like more in that game? I, I, I was Flames a week ago. I think I'm liking Jets now. Hellebuck's, Hellebuck's playing a little bit better than Marstrom and Vladar. It's going to be up to that game. That that game is 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 who gets the second wild card in my opinion, and I, I think I'm going to take the Jets right now. That's going to be such an incredible hockey game, and it's going to be in Winnipeg if I'm not uh, mistaken. So yep. that right there, I think is the upper hand. I, I do like both these teams. Like I do think that these te- two teams have underachieved. Like I think they are both playoff teams, uh, but it sucks because one's going to be left out looking in. But I'll, I'll be riding Winnipeg as well with you. Um, but that's going to be must watch hockey. Is that this week? Is that Thursday night? The game's April 5th. April 5th April coming up here in two days. It's Wednesday. Wednesday. I yeah. love it. So, I mean, yeah. what a lead up into the Masters. Yeah, Wednesday night too. hockey. Um, play, playoff preview hockey. 100%. 100%. So, listen, we'll move into the MLB now, but it's going to be super exciting, uh, Justin, in the NHL. Like you said, we get a, we get a little playoff preview on Wednesday night, so that's going to be a must-watch hockey and could crown the final spot in the Western Conference, yep. but we're going to move into quarter three here. The MLB is alive and well. We had opening day yesterday. It's funny hey, how they play opening day, and then it seems like, so every team plays, and then it seems like they just kind of give everyone a day off. Like, do all the teams just get buckled that night and just kind of like, yeah, we, 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 just, we just got one game in, we got to go out, celebrate, and now we need a day off, and then we'll get back into it. Like, it just makes no sense to me. You're going to play 162 <laughs> games, and you're giving everyone a day off on the second day? It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I mean, what... I'm an MLB fan, I am. But do they think like MLB opening day is this big old celebration? Like <laughs> yeah. everyone's tuning in and they're like, hey, we got to give the fan base a breath here. Give the fan base a breath <laughs> after opening day. They got so much action. Like, like let's keep it going. Like uh, opening day gets you into the season. Yeah. And like you said, now we're taking a step back day two. It's like, oh, MLB's taking it. Like we're not watching MLB day two, but um, no, I agree. I mean, let's let's get this thing rolling. Let's, yep. let's keep some of these great games we got on day one rolling into game two that that keeps you tuned in yeah i know exactly it's just it's something that i'll never understand but i do want to talk about this before we kind of get into the action and 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 everything that's going on in the content world this dude i i I will never understand this this dude goes out into the outfield at at dodger stadium and he doesn't just go to the warning track like he doesn't just like kind of like make a spectacle of it like drop to an end he flies out there like 10 yards into the outfield and he gets on a knee dude and i i know you've seen this justin but he gets yeah. run over. Like, I, like I'm like i assuming that, that he had to go to protocol. Like, they couldn't bring him to the jail cell right away. Like, he had to go get checked out because he got smashed. So he goes out, drops to a knee, pro- proposes to his wife, gets smashed by security, an embarrassing moment for him. And, I mean, he gets wheeled out of that stadium. And I'm, I'm sure he went straight to, to medical because, man, he got smashed. Did you see the shrapnel that came off of this guy when he got hit? I think the 
diamond came off the ring yeah. on contact. This guy's, <laughs> we, got, we, had, we had wallet, phone, hat, glasses. 50-50 ticket came out of his pocket. I think the security guard put it in his uh, took it for himself. <laughs> but right. man, this was this was unbelievable. If, if you're if you're an NFL defensive coordinator, you're showing this hit in training camp. Are you yeah. not? Like this was unbelievable. Great form, crazy. Great form. I mean, I, I would hesitate to show it in the NFL because he had a knee down. The guy was down. I mean, it could be a could be a flag on the plague, you know. That's true. But yeah, no, I mean, there's got to be some history of that guy uh, playing like you know in some sort of organized sports because form, like you said, was fantastic. I mean, this guy, what an embarrassing way to go. And I'm just, I'm so opposed to that. I mean, like. Out of all the places, I mean, just in general, going to a Dodgers game, sitting in the outfield with your, you know, with your fiance or whatever, like that's, or, you know, with your girlfriend, like that's an amazing experience in itself. Like don't, you don't have to double down and make that and, and propose to her and, and make, and just go out on the field. It's just such a ridiculous decision. It's kind of like the, I think it was Correa when, uh, when the Astros won their first world series, like everybody's celebrating around home plate. And then he proposes to his girlfriend during the celebration. I'm like, dude, you're celebrating the world series, man. Like you don't have to double down in these types of events like this is an amazing moment like make creating another amazing moment somewhere else it just makes no sense to me uh but if you guys haven't seen that highlight go check it out what are we gonna say justin here's the question though uh this guy gets destroyed yeah you gotta pray he got the yes you gotta pray he got the yes yeah if he if this guy's moving forward after that video going viral and he got the no but then flip the perspective if, if you're the girl and your man just went out there to propose and just got lit up oh it's gonna be a no for me, dog. You're, like, you, yeah, you might be walking out the back exit with the hat down. Yeah, hiding yourself, right? I mean, holy. There's a chance, Justin, that they had already that he had already proposed, and there was, a, and this was just for the show and for the fame. Yep. And who knows, man? It's just it's a it's a brutal decision. If you haven't seen that clip, go check it out. It's all over social media. Uh, the pitch clock is doing its job from all accounts, Justin. It seems like games uh, on average were around that two thirty, two forty five, two hours thirty minutes, two th- two hours forty five minutes mark, which is nice. Uh, I know there's nothing worse than a, a ball game going long, but there is going to be some games which you just can't control. Those, you know, those 15 to 12 games that are just going to go long, just in the fact that the innings and they're going through pitchers and uh, things of that nature. But I think the the pitch stop, the pitch clock is doing its job. Um, what are your just initial thoughts on that? I mean, I know you've probably seen a little bit of it, but I'm a big fan of it. I think it's a little ridiculous at times when the pitchers are going through the routine, the batters are, I mean, you know, I think back to some guys in the past, like like Ortiz and and Garcia Perro, just some Red Sox guys that are just putting on complete shows in the batter's box, uh, going through their routines. But I'm a big fan of it. What do you think, Justin? No, I agree. I I love it. I mean, I think it's something where as much as baseball is a traditional game, obviously, and that's a big part of what they pride themselves on. I mean, you had to make a modern move. Every league has, right? I mean, look what, Steph Curry and the three balls done for the NBA. I mean, look what the speed and the, and the action we see in the NHL doing for the NHL. I think this is MLB's new way of saying, hey, we got a new wrinkle. We're going to see things we haven't seen. We're going to see pitchers playing games on the mound. We're going to see batters playing games in the batter's box with the new uh, pitch clock. And I think that's the right move. I mean, you also, if the game goes long, like you said, it's because we're getting runs and that's entertaining. So it's like, oh, if we get a long game, I'm getting entertained by seeing runs put up. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the good trade off there, but, Last thing you want to do is be be watching a 2-1 game that just is still a three-hour-plus game. I think it was the right move. Um, I'd like to see some of these young guys that come up in the ranks uh, playing with this pitch clock every day, and it's the norm for them. Maybe we see some action that's like, this pitch clock becomes an element for some of these guys to utilize. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see as they uh, continue to use this. No, absolutely, and uh, it's it's been it's been exciting. We've got lots of content, so my listeners are well aware of this, Justin, and and uh, so I like to talk about the AL East. 
uh, because obviously that's where the, the the Blue Jays are, that's where the Red Sox are, that's where the Yankees are. And I mean, there's a lot of content to follow. And obviously when there's massive news outside of the AL East, I mean, we'll talk about it, but with just three games in, and, and there's been some headlines, but this is kind of the division that is the most exciting for Canadians. And, uh, you know, especially yeah. Atlanta Canadian where I am, um, you know, a lot of Red Sox fans, a lot of Yankees fans, a lot of Blue Jays fans. Uh, but I do want to start off with the Red Sox. And I wanted to start off with Chris Sale. So uh, they had a 2-1 uh, series win. Um, but they're playing the Orioles, and I think you're expected to win that series if you're if you're you know on the Boston Red Sox. I mean, the, the Orioles are very young. We know last year that they had a nice run, but uh, they're not going to be a competitive team in that division. But Chris Sale, so Chris Sale, I mean, this dude was a monster, uh, you know, with the White Sox, and then even at the beginning of his Red Sox tenure. And these last three years have been brutal for him. Um, you know, he said Tommy John, he came back, got injured last year, he broke his thumb on a comebacker, but he goes into this game. And he gets lit up. Seven earned runs he's had. I mean, uh, is I think they're paying him like over $30 million a year, Justin. What's the deal with Chris Sale? No, 100%. I mean, I, I'm a Blue Jays fan through it through. And you see Chris Sale in his prime. Uh, uh, and he was unbelievable. This guy holds an MLB record fastest to 2,000 strikeouts. That's an MLB record. He has the best strikeouts to walk ratio MLB record. Five-year contract, $145 million. And this guy's getting juiced as a 21-year aid open this season. I mean, man, I mean, again, not everyone could have a prime that stretches forever. I mean, again, that's the thing with sports is you take that chance. Everyone's got a different prime length, but it's one of those situations where it's it's hard to watch. This guy went out three innings, three seven earned run. I mean, the team isn't that great this year, but like, I'm a guy that's sympathetic to it. I know a lot of people just tear him apart for having a $145 million contract. If I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm probably not as sympathetic to it as, as I'm going to be. But you, you just hate to see these all-time players and, the, and the, the guys who had a chance to be all-time players, which he absolutely was a bonafide superstar, all, M, all MLB, just get into this situation. But again, I, I, I don't know. I, I He had the injuries. And again, not everyone could play forever. It's unfortunate. But man, this guy is uh, not helping them at all. No, I think I think a little bit more runway too, Justin. Like I'm not going to completely write him off yet. I mean, obviously, you know, we see pitchers around the league just have tough opening days. You know, offenses are fired up, and I guess it wasn't opening day, but um, you know, just early on in the season. Like I mean, I, I think a few more starts to completely write him off. But I mean, if it, if it's on the trajectory, I mean, what we've seen the last two seasons, you know, the it hasn't been the Chris Sale that you know we're all accustomed to uh, to expecting on the mound. Uh, let's move it over to the Blue Jays. Uh, because yeah. their pitching has been off to a questionable start. I was surprised, man. Alec Manoa, I loved them giving the ball to Alec Manoa on opening day. He's a monster. He gets he you know gets gas canned. I mean, he gets lit up. I think you know I don't know was it five hundred runs and then uh, they go with um, Trevor Gosman, I do believe, uh, and uh, and he gets lit up for uh, for three or four hundred runs and then and then yesterday they go with newly acquired Bassett and he doesn't look fantastic. So. I guess this is going to be live. We'll, we'll go. We'll backtrack and go into those topics. But this is going to be live later on tonight in the bat. But I've placed a Jose Barrios win and Jose Barrios over four and a half strikeouts. I think Barrios has a bounce back season for the Blue Jays this year. I expect him to pitch well today. So that's a bet that I'm on plus three seventy five for that. But uh, but listen, you know how are you feeling about the Blue Jays pitching early on in the season, Justin? Yeah, I mean. Um... Barrios to start off with, just because you brought him up. Uh, yep. Last year, 
volatile that, that, that was oh, yeah. the season up and down a little bit inconsistent but he had that ability he, he's at the backside of our, our, our rotation which is a good thing by all accounts because he has the ability to push this this pitching unit into one of the best in the league I do, it, it isn't a secret that this this pitching rotation has the ability to be at the top it, it, it does maybe not one and two but this pitching unit could go the distance and give a lot of teams issues in a lot of series going throughout the year Bass, Bassett if you move to him new signing this year three year deal 63 million dollars obviously was supposed to be someone that I think was brought in because of his proven ability to be consistent I think that signing was a lot to do with the Barrios type and even Manoa and Gosman who showed again last year that they could kind of fall off have dips in the season um I think Bissett was supposed to be that steady arm. Ooh, it's a tough start. But I don't – how I'm taking this start is I don't know if three games into a 162-game season is the time to be at your peak as a team. I'm going to maybe spin it that way to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, a lot of time to figure it out. Um, it is going to be a tough division. I think that's where P- Jays fans and MLB fans uh, uh, have to start realizing as much as 162 games – this Rays team and this Yankees team are legit. And it's not going to be easy to, to, to finish top two in this division if we're taking half the year to get this pitching rotation to where it can be. Um, so I'm with you there. I, I mean, it's tough to see the starts the way they were. I think Manoa is is legit as well. I think he just needs a little bit of a, of a, a start to get going. And you know what? Sometimes these tough starts to open up a season, get the nerves off, shake it off, get going, and, and you don't have to stress about it going down the road a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I think they, if they can kind of keep it around 500, because they've got 10 straight games on the road just to open the season. So keep it around 500. You know, obviously the panic button is nowhere as near, uh, you know, ready to be pushed by the by the, by the the Toronto Blue Jays. But the expectations are high there in Toronto. And, and just for all Canadians right now, we expect a lot of that out of this team. Um, you know, it's kind of been that, uh, that maturing process over the last few years, and it felt like last year might have been the year. And obviously, you know, just a, another brutal... Uh, first round performance and it's funny too you know we can talk about this you know it's funny how much the Toronto Maple Leafs are under the microscope like can you imagine if the Toronto Maple Leafs it, it's similar to the Boston Bruins choke of like the 4-1 but what were the Jays up uh last year in the playoffs it was like 8-1 wasn't it and and uh yeah yeah, yeah. they it, let a big one go in the playoffs yeah there. they did yeah you're right it was like 8-1 eight, eight, maybe 8-3 or it might have been something where they were like 6-1, then 7-3, then yes. like 8-3, but yeah. man. But yeah, nobody talks right. about that, you know? it's yeah. If the Leafs would have done that, man, it wouldn't have been, it would have been all year long, people referencing it. But, and then it was, uh, the tying run was like Springer ran into, um, uh, I think it was Bichette anyway, in the outfield, and it was a bit of an error. Anyway, it was just a, it was just a mess, but uh, I'm excited for the Blue Jays. Another guy to watch too is, uh, I was on Tuesday, uh, so I guess today for the listeners, Kikuchi. This guy they brought in on, I think, a three-year, $36 million deal, and he was terrible last season. People were calling for him to get sent down to, like, double-A, triple-A. So I know he's going to be at the back end of the rotation, but hopefully he's had a good year, uh, good offseason, and and hopefully he can, uh, you know, provide a little boost to this lineup. But a guy, like I said, I'm looking at is Jose Barrios to have a solid uh, start. I mean, the Rays, year after year, off to a 3-0 start, Justin. I mean, just, it's just... I don't get. I don't understand these guys. You know, they can come out with a lineup. I mean, I know that, that their pitching staff is strong, uh, but they can come out. They can field a bunch of guys that a bunch of names that I've rarely heard of, and they just win. You know, you know, 80, 85 games, ninety games, and I'm like, geez, where did they, where did that come from? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, their development is is we're seeing like the best development for a pitching rotation um, over the last number of years. This team 
nobody cares about. I don't know who have you met or I've never met a Rays fan no. in my life. And this team continues to be like, I've never even seen one. And I watch uh, the trop all the time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm following baseball, going through, through the rosters and the offseason moves like, man, this Rays team might be the favorite for the one seed. Like I know the Yankees are who they are. This Rays team, I believe won 90 games last year. And I'm pretty sure they had like, I'm pretty sure that the most missed games for injuries in the AL East and they had 90 wins. Like, this is a roster who it might be Jays and Yankees competing for the two seed in this team, but none of those teams are, are issues. It's just, that's how good this race team is. You're hundred percent right though. I mean, McClanahan showed last year. He is a Cy Young candidate. Like he's going to be legit for them for years, but I couldn't, couldn't name you too many guys on their roster, which is unbelievable that they continue to be this, this good. Yeah. I mean, and then we look at this, I mean, Jeffrey Springs, they don't know much about him, but coming in and having 12, 12 whiffs, his his first start of the season, I mean, you got to be feeling good. And it's unfortunate that that team doesn't have a huge fan base and that doesn't have, uh, you know, a, a, a ton of hype around them because, you know, year after year, it seems like that they're, they are competitive, at least, you know, in recent history. And, and they've been fun to watch. And, and uh, you know, we'll continue to monitor that. The marathon's just beginning. I'm sure we'll have uh, some more content pour out this week. Uh, in regard to the MLB, but it's also a fun sport to bet on. Um, but uh, but let's move into quarter four. And you know what? It's been refreshing, Justin. I'll say this before we get into the quarter four. It's nice to talk to someone about these things, bounce ideas, bounce thoughts. Someone join it, man. I'm hoping you're, you're having fun. Uh, but Love the PGA it, Tour, I don't know if you're a huge golf guy. I'm a huge golf guy. Yeah. Sundays are, are, you know, the golf is on. It may be background noise, but Canadian Corey Connors gets it done. His first win since 2018. Um, he won this event actually in 2019. I apologize. It's been four years. Uh, great win for a Canadian. The Canadian content. The third Canadian, the first time in a PGA Tour season that three Canadians have won events. Um, amazing, man. I was super happy for him. Uh, he held off surges from Patrick Rogers and, and that young kid yep. Stevens and, and Matt Kuchar was in the mix. But, you know, held his own, played the best, and he's got to be feeling good going into the Masters. Hey, Greg. Corey Connors winning this week is the most exciting thing we could have for Canadian fan base going into the Masters. Not only did he win, like, we, yeah, we could ride this, oh, he's hot going into the Masters. He tied for sixth of the Masters last year, tied for eighth in the Masters the year prior, and tenth solo in the year prior. This isn't, like, this is just a, a, an extra level of he's playing his game, going into a tournament that, as a Canadian fan base, we could we could look forward to watching him regardless. Like, this is exciting. I mean, if you look at... uh Look at where they have him in terms of some value and stuff. Corey Connors is, has shown that he's very comfortable in the Masters, and now he's lifting that trophy this last weekend, flying out to Augusta. He's feeling good about himself, and that, that's exciting. So I ta- I gave that bet out last episode, plus 6,600, Justin. So it's the 87th Masters. What do you think of when you think about 87? Anybody in particular kind of get that Canadian vibe from the number 87. You know, we had Mike Weir win it in the past. I mean, it's a, it's a funny narrative to think about, but obviously with, with Corey Connors winning this week, like you said, I mean, he's feeling good. He feels very comfortable around Augusta National. It's really funny to watch. Uh, you know, Corey Connors, unbelievable ball striker. He's raved about on tour about his ball striking and his ability to, to hit his irons and driver. And his putting is typically something that handicaps him, something that keeps him back uh, from playing really well. Very good at putting on the on the Augusta National Greens, um, yeah. but listen, let's move into Augusta. So, congratulations, Corey Connors, unbelievable win. They give out a pair of boots, which I think is kind of chintzy. Like, give him a trophy for God's sakes! Like, yeah. you're giving him a pair of cowboy boots. But <laughs> this is the pinnacle of golf, in my opinion. Like, it's the yeah. only major that they play at the same course every year. Augusta National is everybody's dream course in golf. 
it's it's going to be just a phenomenal week, Justin. But l- let's look at the field. I mean, who who do you like? Who are some names that you'd like to bet on, or that you think you yeah. know are going to be right in the mix come come Sunday? And, and, and I mean, obviously, we'll talk about the big cat as well. For sure, I got four guys for you. Okay, and I got and, and these aren't just throwing my hat out. Pay attention to these guys. I like I like where we are with these guys going into the Masters in every aspect. First one, I'm going to start with them. I'm going to get him out of the way. Is John Ram? I mean, you don't like to give a top dog like this. I mean, I know no you. Everyone knows where he sits. World rank number three, number one in the FedEx. Might be the best golfer in the world at the moment. There's not much that needs to be said. The guy's unbelievable in all the strokes gained. Uh, he, he big stat that I'm going to be saying here for these guys and big for the Masters is par five scoring. Everything I've seen. If you get a par on a par five, you gave strokes away to the field. Start with John Ram, second best scoring for par fives on the tour. Three wins this year, six top tens, bonafide star. Not much more to say. The second one, Brooks Kepka, live player. Hey, this guy just won this yep. past weekend on the live tour. In Orlando. I mean, he's, coming, he's coming in hot. If we remember, if we don't forget about Brooks Kepka, he had major injuries. I don't know if you remember watching him when he was still on the PGA Tour. The guy couldn't bend over to read his putts, if you remember that. This guy's fully healthy. He's married. He's been playing great golf on the live tour. It's something to keep an eye on. This next guy is probably my favorite. If you look at value and, and every piece, now's the time. Sun J.M. Sun J.M. is the name to remember. I hope we're going back to this and, and, and we're watching this clip back. World rank number 18. He tied for eighth in the Masters last year. Third best scoring in par fives. Top 15 in strokes gained. T to green. He had six top 10 finishes this year. Eight top 25s. He's only 25 years old. This guy is going to burst on the scene. Um, I, I like him to make his statement here at the Masters. The course is tough. The greens are tough. And he, he plays how you need to play Masters. Well, like that is his game. Par five, he's going to tear it up and he's going to be phenomenal gaining strokes. T to green, he's going to do well uh, uh, on putting here too. The last guy I like is Morikawa. I think Morikawa, we, we know how well he is strokes, uh, um, stroke of the ball with his irons. That's a huge part of it on these greens. You got to be able to hit certain spots on these greens to be able to have a chance at birdies and stuff. Top 10 strokes gained, T to green, driving accuracy, green and reg. I mean, Morikawa is in a spot where it seems it seems like it's time. Seems like he's been around the scene. He's been top for for a long time now. And hey, fifth best scoring on par, par fives as well. I think Morikawa is a, a guy that you could feel pretty comfortable having at the top of that leaderboard. Yeah, man, I like those picks a lot. It's just it's such a testament to the depth of the PGA Tour now. Like I, I listen oh, yeah. to those names. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised seeing that name at the top of the leaderboard. And then I think, okay, like you know, I like I like a guy like McElroy. Love McElroy this week. Obviously, he's looking for the Grand Slam. He's never won the uh, the Masters. Had a great round on Sunday last year to come, uh, I think, second alone. Um, and then, you know, I look at Tony Finau, a guy who's kind of been knocking yeah. at the door. He's got three wins uh, in the last six months on the PGA Tour. And, and, you know, he wears green on Sundays for his mom. I love that narrative as well. Uh, I mean, but he is he does he have that killer instinct? It's been the big question with Tony Finau. Like, can he be a killer on a Sunday to major? 
Um, Xander Shoffley, another guy, you know, is yep. still looking for his first major win. But these are all names. Like, there's so many names. Scotty Scheffler, could he go back-to-back? I mean, we look, he already went back-to-back at the Waste Management this season. Uh, he Absolutely. almost he almost went back-to-back at the Arnold Palmer. He almost defended at the world, at the, uh, the the match play. There's so many good players. And then we don't really know. Like like you said, Connor, uh, Corey Connors, he came top 10 in his three starts, last starts at the, at the Masters. The only other yep. player to do that? Cam Smith, who we haven't seen too much of, but as a guy, we know he's got the caliber of game to come onto the come onto the scene and really tear it up. So, I mean, this will be the most captivating Masters just due to the fact it's the first time we're seeing the live guys go at it with the PGA Tours. It's the first time that these guys are going to be on the same property, and it's Augusta National, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be it's the best time of year. Best it, time of year for golf. You can't help but be excited. I mean, hey, this, it, it's the best time to be a golf fan, and I, I couldn't be happier to get going into it, right? Absolutely, man. I guess we'll just touch on it briefly here. I mean, this has been a great length episode, Justin, but UFC 287 Saturday, if you're itching for something to do Saturday night, uh, you know, getting ready for the uh, for the Masters final round, uh, UFC 287. So we've got Alex Pereira taking on Israel Adesanya. It's the third time they've, or the fourth time they've fought. The second time in the UFC, obviously, we know Pereira took the belt from Izzy uh, last round, knocking him out in the fifth round. So that's going to be a super exciting fight. Rosas Jr., Justin, this guy's 18 years old. He's still in high school, and he's fighting in the UFC. He took, in the first round of his first fight in the UFC a few months ago, he went onto a 25-year-old's back and choked him out in 30 seconds. This guy's a freak of nature. He's one of the most highly touted prospects in the UFC. 18-year-old Rosas Rosas Jr. Gilbert Burns is fighting Jorge Masvidal. We all remember Jorge Masvidal, a bare-knuckle fighter from the... uh, Gosh, what's his name? It's Kimbo Slice Backyard Fighting League. So it's going to be an exciting event uh, this weekend. I don't know if you have anything to touch on that, uh, Justin. If you do, throw it out there. If not, then uh, then we'll get ready to wind this thing down, my man. No, it's going to be exciting. Like you said, I mean, I know Adesanya, he's been electric on the scene. I mean, I think it's someone who they fought so many times. This is going to be a war. It's yep. going to be a war. So it's going to be exciting to see. Uh, like you said, Masvidal, how do you not tune into a guy like that? Uh, it's exciting. Like you said, I'm interested to see that Rosas uh, Jr. Um, being so young. I mean, may, hey, he might be the top dog coming up. So you got to catch him while he's early, see what, see what his action's like. So that's exciting. It's crazy, man. Well, listen, Justin, it's been a pleasure. This won't be the first time he's on here. We could be listening to the new co-host. But, man, you did an incredible job, man. I, I thank you. I'm actually kind of kicking myself. I'm like, man, I didn't know he'd be bringing this much heat. I love <laughs> it, man. You did a great job, Justin. So listen, man, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. But... Uh, Listen, man, I'm, I'm I'm super excited to hear the input from the fans, from the listeners, and you crush it, man. You're a killer. Hey, I appreciate it. I mean, hey, th- this fan base is is remarkable. You already know this. Like, you got a following that really loves your, loves the content you're putting out. They uh, they appreciate the action, and I, I'm just excited and honored to be a part of it. And hey, I'm gonna be following you regardless. This has been a true honor, like I said, and I couldn't be happy to be a, be appearing here. So appreciate all the help. 